What's cracking like it, everybody? Money Smart Guy, Matt Zapala here, hailing to you from Dallas, Texas, and welcome back to another episode of the Seven Figure Squad podcast, episode 40. Zero, man. In studio with me today is Milton Alvarez, my homie, my boy, my partner here on this podcast, and also my personal trainer. Milton, thanks for that workout the other day, man. I'm like, Jack, full body, huh? Yeah. Whew. Come on, baby. That, that hip thrust? That's one of the for sure things that a lot of my men are going to be very, very good at is getting their wives pregnant. So thanks to that exercise. So shout out to all the men trying to get their wives pregnant. <laughs> oh, my goodness. If you want to know what the workout is, check out my Instagram here, Money Smart Guy. I'll be posting here in a minute. But uh, I'm thinking about doing a different type of Instagram post where I do that workout by voicing it over what you do to make us cry in the gym. Man. So uh, pain is a great teacher. So by the way, that, that exercise, you know, because you, you, you had to pick it up, and you had to squeeze it out. I, and I was looking at the weight. I, could, I couldn't believe that you had me lift that much weight. I'm like, that that was a lot. Yeah. 315, and, and you put another quart on it. Well, you have four kids, right, for a reason. Those glutes <laughs> are strong just... enough. You have four kids, man. By the way, this, sometimes, guys, when I'm in the gym, man, sometimes Milton says, you're going to lift this, and you do this many reps, whatever it is. I'm like, I, I do not question it. I'm just double-checking what he says, because sometimes it isn't clear. And I'm looking at the way you put it, like, so what is, what is it about a coach? What is it about a trainer when he sees a client, the busyness of our day, what we got going on in our day, and you say, okay, this person can do that, because what do I tell you all the time? Man, I'm glad you have so much faith in me. Yeah, yeah. For, for, for a coach, especially in the fitness world, um, they're able to see what you don't see yet. Because unfortunately, a lot of times people are stuck in, certain, in, their, in, in a certain belief system about themselves, their strength, their endurance, and the way you're pushing out the reps, the way you're maneuvering the weight, we're able to see that you can go up by another huh. two and a half, five, 10, 15, 20 pounds, depending on what the exercise is. But sometimes, uh, look, I, I think I tell you and I tell this to all of my other clients, don't let your body dictate what your mind can actually, what, where your mind is actually at. Let your mind dictate where your body's at. But that, in order for that to happen, you need to be able to have a good amount of mental resilience because you can actually do more than you think, but we limit ourselves out of the fear of getting hurt, out of the fear of not knowing what the next move is, out of the fear yeah. of not knowing you know, how to do the exercise correctly, which is why you know, after I've been working with you for a couple of years, it's so much easier to coach you because you know what we're doing compared to someone new where it's going to take a couple of weeks to be able to condition because them mentally. Because you're teaching the exercise. Exactly, yeah. correct. But once you get that out the way, yeah. now it's reps, weights, and variations, and right. and, and, and I'm, sh I'm, I'm, and I'm, what's that noise? I'm, sh I'm shocked with that. Is there like a, somebody's drilling? Anyway, uh, we got an interesting show here today. Uh, where you live dictates your kids' lives. I guess who you associate with also dictates your kids' lives. Uh, there's a difference there's a, the clip you want to react to, but there's a difference in how our kids get taught here in school and what kids overseas are getting taught in school. It's a very interesting perspective here. Uh, ben Shapiro, who uh, raised $4.8 million for the Daily Wire, we're going to react to that because oftentimes people think, oh, they see people for where they're at, but they don't see the actual journey. They see people after chapter 35, but they never saw them after chapter one. I think this is a good perspective for us to see because lots of times people see Ben Shapiro or people in the media or people... Uh, at an area of success in their life, and you think, oh, it must be so lucky to be them, must be so fortunate to be them without really understanding the work and the journey. And what happens is you talk your way out. We're going we're gonna to discuss that too as well. Also, the Taylor Swift economic effect to the NFL. Taylor Swift's effect to the NFL. What? We're going to talk about that here in a second. Uh, we're going to do an update on the blind side conservatorship between the former tackle uh, um, uh, Ower versus the Tuies, the family, the blind side. You know, there was a, a, a legal dispute there. We'll give you an update on that too as well. And then Americans today are spending like there is no tomorrow. Mm. 
I wonder people living paycheck to paycheck. So we'll unpack why and how they're doing it. So any thoughts, uh, any topics here that you're covering on your end? Yeah, three topics from my for, uh, from my end. Uh, three of them will be reaction, and one of them will be for the health and fitness. For the health and fitness, we have three hacks on how to get better sleep, and these are studies that we've looked oh, into. Oh, I want to know this one. Yeah, especially you, Matthew. Yeah. yeah. This man went from, when I first met him, <laughs> man was sleeping two and a half, three hours a night, to right now you're up to about five and a half hours. I'm getting up there, bro. I'm, it's, I'm it's doubling my sleep. It's the same couple of years, but you're, you're up there now. So three hacks to get better sleep and to be able to wake up ready. So we looked into the best sleeping conditions, and we've even t- spoken to some not. I can't pronounce this word. Some knowledgeists, people who a doctor who specializes in sleep huh. disorders. Okay. Um, and then also, I want to be able to bring forth for especially for a lot of the young men, even older men, life changing books. And I want to ask Matt as well, maybe the top two, three books that he's read in his life that's added value to him and his personal endeavors, um, as well as going into reaction videos when it comes down to men and women. Uh-oh. Why men can't show emotions around women leading to men are scared and so are women. So the million dollar question is why do people, why do we continually attract toxic people into our lives? That's Ooh. actually a question that someone had last week while we were uh, doing this podcast. And then from there, I wanna be able to end with an encouraging word and then as well talk about a life changing piece of advice that we received from someone that we can give off to you guys. Amen to that. By the way, this is all the disposition and the mannerisms and the view, the viewpoint of becoming a millionaire. All right, let's take a look at the first one. Um, first video, let's take a look at here. Uh, where you live dictates your kids' lives. Environment, let's take a look at this. Had more to do with your child's life by where you chose to live than by anything you will ever do inside that home. Short of abuse, neglect, or malnutrition, the rest of it is just trivial variation. It's where you live. Why? Because out-of-home influences are more powerful in shaping the life course of your child than in-home influences are. And those out-of-home influences are peer groups, other adults, neighborhoods, resources, schools, and the larger community that you made available to this child. That is how you shape your child's life course. The second biggest influence is also out of your hands, and that's genetics. And you don't get to determine that. (laughs) Now, do not mistake what I am saying. The knowledge your child possesses what they know is clearly a function of exposure in the environment, but their traits, their abilities, their makeup, their personality is not. Interesting, interesting. But why is this so important? Here's why. Because every time I do a workshop, I ask people all the time, are you happy with where they live? A lot of people aren't happy with where they live. Are you, are you trustful of the current public school system? Not one hand goes up. Matter of fact, disgust is expressed in our workshops. Uh, there's research here by Cornell University. Uh, environmental and developmental, developmental psychologist Gary Evans, he said that there's really three things that, or a few things that affect. So first one, why physical environment? The physical environment, noise level, overcrowding, housing and neighborhood quality is where the location where you raise your kid affects your child, your, your child the most because it affects their academic achievement. What's, what does cognitive mean? Brain, brain function? Affects uh, academic achievement, uh, cognitive, social, and and emotional development, as well as parenting behavior. And so what I recognize here, having uh, five kids now, the three older ones are giving me feedback. This is how you really were as a dad, dad. You know, for example, my daughter was here this weekend. Mm -hmm. And so I had a choice between raising her in my old high school, which my old high school, the freshman and sophomore, they've upgraded the high school now. That there's now... For the freshman software, uh, uh, sophomores, a daycare provided for them. Not for them, but for their kids. Wow. For the freshman and sophomore class. Because yeah. the junior, senior class have a different daycare yeah. in the school. 
So do you think I want my kids to be in around environments? Oh, you know, I can just have a kid because I can have my kid watch it. And they're 14, 15, 16 years old. I'm not having that. Yeah. I want them exposed to that assumption. Well, some people say, well, man, you know, at least if they have a kid, they have some place to go and they can complete their education. I don't want my kids around that assumption that that's the standard. That's my issue. So it's different neighborhoods. You know this in Chicago, even here in Dallas, certain neighborhoods invoke different behaviors, responses. Look at the businesses. In Chicago, what do we have in, in the hood? In the Chicago, you have a paycheck cashing station, yellow currency exchange. You have a liquor store right next to it. You got a uh, Harold's Chicken, JJ Fish. And then you got a church. Next block, same thing. All over the neighborhood. You go to a wealthy neighborhood, what do they have? Bank, real estate, insurance, accounting, architecture, home builders. Look at the different types of businesses in the environment that you live in. And ask yourself this question. What do those businesses do? What are they reflecting of what the people in a community really want? What are they really making? What do they really have in terms of aspirations for the future of their families, their children? Are they safe in that environment? So when I'm living in the neighborhood, I'm living in it now, bro. I, every day, I pinch my, every time I go through those gates, guards uh, uh, salutes me in. I'm pinching myself. I really live here. I really live here. I really live here compared to where I used to live in Chicago. Because the reason is people today are affected distinctly by where they live. Lots of people are living in New York. Lots of people live in Chicago. Lots of people live in LA, San Francisco. Some of these big cities are leaving and going where? Neighborhoods where they feel safe. Neighborhoods where they feel their children have a shot at a decent education. What's your thoughts on this? I'm gonna counter that. And, 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 and maybe you can attest to this as well. There, there's a study that also shows that in, in psychology that the first six years of a child's life is a crucial six years because it, everything that they see, everything that they hear, everything that they experience, you know, the interaction amongst their parents and what their parents teach them plays a massive role on wiring their subconscious mind. So now they grow up seven, seven years and beyond. Sure, the social construct can definitely influence who they are, but at the end, once they get to a certain age, wouldn't you agree that that's whatever you taught them at a very young age is what they're going to uh, lead their lives with, even though they might go through a season of the demonizing aspect, uh, yeah, yeah. they might go through a season of of that and trying to find themselves and figure themselves out and you know you know counter your counter your suggestions and you know oppose what you're saying and rebel against you. But at the end of the day, they fall back onto the teachings that you brought forth. So, because a lot of times for, for for myself is uh, a lot of my friends and their parents would say, you know what, man, the school that you go to doesn't make you or break you. It's how you bring them up in your household. And if you know how to bring them up in your household that doesn't really matter in what environment you put them in because they will be able to, your teachings will surpass everything else. It's, I, I agree, to an extent. Why? Where do you think your kids are for eight, nine, 10 hours a day? With you or with somebody else? Yeah. Are they with teachers? Are they with school, uh, 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 school supervisors? Are they with other students? Because they're going to spend an overwhelming large amount of time away from you. And they're gonna come back home with that thinking, with that process, peer peer pressure, insights from people that you may not agree with, with values and principles that you may not even align with. And now you got this kid at home at six o'clock at night trying to have dinner with them or do some form of family activity with them and then they're all jacked up from everything they heard at school since 8.30 in the morning. And you gotta help unwind that. It reminds me when I, when I had uh, kids and I had, uh, we exchanged weekends, we'd rotate. I'd get my kids back from the mother and for two days, I have to deprogram them on how they were thinking at their mom's house. And by the time I got them finally fixed right, guess what they go back to? They go back to the mother's house. Because mm. the mother was completely opposite of what 
I would believe in, the values and principles I would believe in. I'm a capitalist. She's a socialist. I believe in independence. She believes in, let me take everything the government can give me and everything my baby daddy can give me. And then we so, pay for that. And it, taxpayers. And taxpayers pay for that, right? Yeah. And so, so now the kids, early on, by the way, what's, what's an easier message? Get everything you can for free from the government. Get everything you can from the legal system. Get everything you can from whoever thinks you, they think that you owe you. The blame game, the entitlement game is very strong. It's very attractive because you don't got to go to work. All you got to do is file paperwork and lawsuit, whatever the case may be. What's hard? What's hard is independent. What's hard is earning it. What's hard is building it. What's hard is picking up yourself after a loss and a failure and, and you continue to succeed and grow and evolve and improve. That's hard. But the outcome is a lot better than depending upon church, family, friends, and government. Which is why, again, going back to, to what, what we said last week, that's why a lot of people choose oppression over responsibility of taking ownership of their own lives. It's easier, right? That bottle's easier. so much easier. So it feels a lot easier. So much easier to, uh, to go with. Prayer is hard. Communication is hard. Mm -hmm. Association with other men that are feeling the same way you're doing, being for some minute they're somewhat vulnerable in your prayer time with, with you and God, even with, with that same disposition with maybe another dude that's going through the same situation as you are. But when, when the craziest thing sometimes though, when, when guys get it, I've been to many men's retreats, when you're around men and you feel protected around men and you're okay, nobody's gonna be attacking each other, nobody's gonna be using anything against each other, guess what men actually do? They break down, they cry like freaking babies, man. Ever been to men's retreat like that? They break down and cry like freaking babies because men hold in their anger and the frustration for so long. Not to deviate from the topic, but if you're a man and you're in this environment and, and you got these pressures too as well, guess who's also gonna feel these pressures? Your children. I'm laughing at, at, at Jordan right now. He's four years old and I'm laughing at him because we wake up, you know, he, he's the last thing he sees at night. I'm the last thing I see at night. And he's the first thing he sees in the morning. I'm joking around with him <laughs> when he's going to bed. I'm joking around with him when we wake up. I'm not yelling, I'm not stressing out. You know, I'm just looking at these kids. Same thing too with Jojo. My older, my three older kids, not so much. So here's some solutions. If you want to improve the environment to better raise your children and to, uh, 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 to have the things affect them in a positive way. Number one, make another extra $1,000 extra month. Why make another extra $1,000 a month? An extra $1,000 a month on top of your rent or your mortgage and either get you in a better neighborhood that you're renting or a property that you buy. That's gonna be directly reflecting on how you raise your kids and how your kids feel in that environment that you're raising. Some, some people say, if I could only make $1,000 extra a month, I'd live here or live there. Where do you want to live? Chances are another $1,000 extra based on rent, utilities, uh, and travel. The second thing about travel is reduce the time you spend in traffic. You know what I love about Dallas, bro? Mm. To this topic, compared to Chicago, there's barely any traffic. Yeah, it might be inconvenient here for another 10, 15 minutes, but bro, it's not like you go onto the highway. Remember on the 290, how much of a parking lot that is? 290, east to west, yeah. 9094, how much of a parking lot that is? Yeah. And you're so frustrated getting from, from, from five miles, and it takes you 30 minutes to do five miles. You might as well just ran there or took a bike there. Here in Dallas, everything's 20 minutes away. School's uh, 10 minutes away. Our office is 20 minutes away. A gym across the street. Yeah. So reduce the time you have to travel and commute and do the activities for your children. Reduce that time. Compress it down. And for some of you who said, well, I can't do that in my neighborhood. Great. That's why you potentially need to move. Back to point number one, make another $1,000 extra a month. So therefore, you can live in a better neighborhood. And the third, third one, you got to recruit a support system. When I was a single dad, I looked to my neighbors and the, the, the moms that were at school because I, be, I, I had appointments at, uh, after school for, for obviously building my business. And I asked, hey, uh, Lauren, hey, uh, Lisa, would you mind, because you're picking up your kids, if I pay another 20 bucks or 30 bucks, can you pick up my son too as well and I'll see you at the apartment, I'll pick him up at, after six o'clock. That's what I would do. Mm. I'd recruit my support. 
so therefore, I'm not zigging back and forth, zigzagging back and forth, trying to pick up my kids. Now, obviously, you got to trust these people. Of course. But the, the bottom line is you can recruit people if you ask, vet them out, and get these people around the right associations. And, you know, there goes a lot with, if you, chances are, if you like that parent, you probably like their kid. Yeah. And because children are reflected also of their other parents. It, so I, it, the first thing that stood out to me as, as a single guy is how can I make an easy $1,000 a month extra? So I looked it up online, and this is what I came up with. If you go to a sperm bank, <laughs> if you go to a sperm bank, <laughs> you can receive around $100 per donation. In some sperm banks, you can even receive up to $1,000 if you donate three times a week. Hey, that's the fastest uh, uh, Fastest and most your, pleasurable. Five way. minutes, five minutes, you're done. <laughs> you're done. I only need 30 seconds, Matthew. There's so many different ways. And that's why I'm glad you listened to the Seven Fair Squad podcast. So many different ways to make money. Guys, there's YouTube University, 500 bucks extra a month, 1,000 bucks extra, 2,000 yeah. bucks extra a month. We're not t- telling you to quit your job. Start a side business, start a side hustle. So many different ways today to make $1,000 extra a month. And by the way, if you want to know more, how about making $1,000 extra a month, stay posted. Stay posted to our YouTube channel. Stay posted um, to this podcast. Get connected. Again, if you're going to recruit people to support your kids, now you got to recruit people to help you out as a parent, as an individual, and start asking around how to make another $1,000 extra a month legally. Whether sperm bank or blood bank, I, that's what I did. I did blood bank. Plasma. I donated plasma. plasma. Correct. Right? You know, different things. Uh, which leads me to my second point. There's a difference in education. There's a complete distinctive difference between education in America versus education in other parts of the country. Let's take a look at this clip. Check. So so what they're saying is we not be good at math, but we're good in English, in music, in entertainment. That was entertaining. So so by the way, that's I know that's a gross example. And as obviously there's a lot of good schools here in America, but the premise is understandable. I understand what the point they're trying to make. That do you trust the school system more in America? Or do you think the public school system in other countries are seizing the math science? And by the way, some of the smartest people I've run across are Asians, Chinese. Why? Because they drill Indians. They drill the stuff in their home. Uh, in, in, their, in their homes, uh, because our family is in the Philippines, and they find it as an upgrade to the family yeah. if you marry somebody that's Chinese because they're smarter. Interesting. By the way, this is Philippine American History Month. It, marrying somebody that's Chinese is smarter and richer in the Philippines. It's kind, of, it's kind of like Jewish in America. Yeah. So I was looking into the way the Chinese vocabulary works and the way they do business and you know because if, if, if you look at every, no matter whether you're, whether you're in a ghetto or in a really really you know top-notch neighborhood when you when you look into what the chinese do man and for a short period of time 
they build, they build, they stack, they stack, they save, they save, and they immediately start a business. Whether it's a freaking uh, dry cleaners, whether it's a, a convenience store or a Chinese restaurant, you see Chinese restaurants everywhere. No matter you're, whether you're in a ghetto or in a really good neighborhood, right next to McDonald's, they don't ha- in, in their in, in their vocabulary they don't have a word for problem. They the word that they have for problem is translated as opportunity. Really, so that's why Whoa, he, now you now, drop now, some knowledge, baby. Now you go into any ghetto neighborhood or any rich neighborhood, you see Chinese restaurants, you see dry cleaners, whatever. But uh, what, what is it? Uh, a stereotypical business mm-hmm. they may have, but they're still businesses. Mm-hmm. Now, a brown person, a Mexican person, Latino person, black person goes into a, a neighborhood. They look. The first thing they look for is what a job. They look for. They look to start businesses. We look to start to get jobs. So we stay so behind and bottom of the totem pole that we don't look. We don't look for something more because the first thing we see is a problem, an mm-hmm. obstacle. Yep. And Chinese people, they look for opportunities. And that's a big difference, and that comes down to your mindset, the way you perceive life, the way you it's approach life. It's a great point. Filipinos, when they come here, they're they're great financial freedom is being a nurse. Yeah, their their way for financial independence is working in the healthcare system. Which, by the way, today, right now, uh, Kaiser Permanente just went on strike in California. Mm. So Kaiser Permanente strikers, healthcare workers are all on strike. So don't go uh, to emergency uh, emergency uh, room if you have Kaiser Permanente. But nonetheless, you have different expectations. Uh, based on the environment that you're growing up in, in the country that you're growing up in, and the narrative that you're around. So if you're talking about kids like that, for example, Jojo yesterday, he's 13 years old, just turned 13 years old. He is busy, because if I don't keep the kid busy with the right things, sports, tutor, coach, if I don't keep him busy with the wrong things as much as mom and dad work, if he's not busy with the right things, guess who he's gonna default into? Online, going to YouTube, uh, black hole, video games, and by the way, a lot of these uh, traffickers, you know what they're finding? They're finding fake accounts, trying to get the kids mm. through video games. So I'm even pu- I'm, I'm making sure that the conversation with my kid, what are you looking at? What are you playing? Who are you playing? Because now they're texting and talking. Before, yeah. video games used to be just you and the console. Yeah. Now it's you and the console and the internet, yeah. whoever's playing the damn video game yeah. all together online. So number one, you, gotta, you need to keep your kids busy and busy, just like mom and dad, with the right things. Uh, the other thing here too, as well, is kids need to learn differently. Uh, were you, what type of student were you? Because for me, I wasn't a good student being sitting down in the classroom. I need to move around. Even today, I have an office. I don't have an office. I need to move around. I'd fall asleep in class. <laughs> and here's the thing: the teacher would too. <laughs> really? The teacher would tell us read from this page, this page, write and a summary, turn it, and fall asleep, Damn. take a nap in class. See, that's the thing too, as well. Back to environment. I mean, what type of example is that teacher setting? You know, it's okay to fall asleep in class because the teachers fall asleep in class. So the other aspect too is parents need to be involved more. Here's the bottom line. Stop outsourcing your values and principles to other people. Establish your own values and principles, what you stand for. Take some time out this weekend. Take, take 30 minutes, jot down a couple values. Wisdom, integrity, dependability, initiative. Put in some core values out there that you believe in that... You want to edify three kids. When you're coming through a house, first thing you see coming out of the garage into our home, Sapala family. We are friends. Yes, we're family, but we're also friends because I want our house to feel like a safe space. We have different values and principles that we write on 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 each other's um, and text message. We're constantly edifying. Um, this Saturday, right? Uh, you took us on a workout. Four o'clock Sunday. Four o'clock Sunday. Right. We had yeah. we had a blast working out as a uh, as an office as business partners and our families were there. The last exercise you had us do was abs. Yeah. And then after abs, we needed to do planks. We had a plank out. For 60, 60 seconds, we had to do the plank. And then after that, it was competition. Who's going to be Last who? man standing. Last man standing. And who won? My daughter won that Your daughter, one. Your daughter, Sapala won. You know what was ringing through her head? Mm. I kept telling her, you're Sapala. You're Sapala. You're yeah. Sapala. She, and she had pride in that name. Yeah. She said, right, I can't quit. 
I can't quit. I got, she goes, I got jacked up to you reminding me that I'm a Sepal. You can't quit. You're Meilani. You can't quit. You're creating a new, so no, it wasn't just a workout. It was an opportunity to push limits and test yeah. that value and, and principle, see if it meant something. Beyond a threshold. Yeah. You're right. So that was, that was kind of a cool that experience. Sick. That was a sick experience, man. So we're going we're gonna to have that. Um, all right. So Ben Shapiro is, is in this clip talking about how he started the Daily Wire, which is a media company. So let's take a look at this clip and how he raised money for his company. We need $1 million. And if you give us $1 million, we will generate you a money machine that lasts for all of time. I take out a napkin and a pen. And I say, here is our business plan. Dollar sign, arrow, Facebook, arrow, website, arrow back to dollar sign. This is our business plan. They fired Jeremy the next day. We have two choices at this point. Choice number one is we mortgage our houses and just do the idea ourselves. And this was, in retrospect, what we, we probably should have done. Yeah. At the time, we find a family office and we pitch this family office on exactly this plan. And this guy at the end of the table turns to me and says, we get a lot of pitches on media companies just like this one. What makes you think you're so special? And I was like, I'm better at this than anyone on the planet. Everyone who's pitched you is worse at this than I am. And for a second, there was like dead silence in the room. And then everybody started laughing and they put the money into the company. And the initial amount of money they put into the company was $4.8 million. We did $200 million in revenue last year. What so, do you think that original investment is worth today? Well into the nine figures. Unbelievable. You basically flipped 4.8 million. So if I was an investor in that, $4.8 million would not be worth over nine figures. Hundred million dollars plus. So, what's your what's your takeaways from just hearing Ben Shapiro? Ben Shapiro is probably one of the greatest debaters in the marketplace today. Extremely intelligent guy. He's Jewish. Um, a lot of people don't know what you said. A family office. A family office. For those of you who don't know, a family office. Let's say your last name. Let's say you're the Rockefellers. Let's say you're the the Kennedys. Let's say you're the Bushes. Instead of going to an investment manager at Charles Schwab or Merrill Lynch, yeah. you hire a certified financial planner, you hire a certified public accountant, you hire an attorney, and all they do is just manage your family's money. <laughs> That's balling. So they don't have a job in any other financial institution. That institution is your family, your family bank, your family last name, their manager. Oh. Or investments, they're managing your real estate portfolio, they're managing your brand, they're managing your speaking engagement. That's the family. So, in other words, instead of pitching an, uh, a typical traditional investor, he pitched a rich family. That's what, that's what a family office yeah. is. I mean, well, one of the first things that I saw with this guy is he knows his, he knows his stuff, he knows mm -hmm. his craft. So, before you, if you're any, anyone. Are you familiar with his work? Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, he knows, yeah. he knows what he's doing. I've yeah. been following this guy for a couple of years now. Yeah. So, if you're planning, pulling a stunt like this and go along the lines of trying to build a company or a media company or, or whatever the case may be, and you're looking for investors, you need to know what you're doing. You need to know your craft. You need to be able to be in the right headspace so that way you know what your next two, three, four, five moves are. And also, uh, it's the things, the, the thing about social media is there's constant different tr there's trends. There's trends, there's trends, there's trends. So, one of the biggest things for any social media person or anyone trying to create something that people will, uh, latch onto and continue this journey with them is being able to consistently having to recreate their uh, uh, their brand, having to recreate themselves, having to recreate the way they approach, the way they speak, the way they do media. Because again, bro, whatever was relevant maybe about four or five months ago is definitely not relevant anymore. The way you do social media, the way you do podcasts, the way you do audiobooks, whatever it can be, any topics that are being spoken about right now, a year ago weren't, weren't known and whatever was known back then, now it's just another thing faded in space. Yeah. Now on the flip side, some of you guys say, well, it must be nice. It could be him, though. At least he had a family office. He knew that he could pitch. Yeah. Guys, less than 500 bucks, I created an $83 million company. You don't need a million bucks. You don't need 4.8 million bucks. You need 500 bucks. You need 250 bucks. You need 100 bucks. You need to be 
in a position where he said, no matter what, I'm going to take this budget. I'm going to make it work. I got to find something to sell. Obviously, what is he selling? He's selling his brand. Mm-hmm. He's selling his ability to debate, his his view on, on, on conservative values and principles as a media uh, host. And, and obviously, what does he do too as well? He's recruiting other hosts. You know, Daily Wire, you know, you, you got your, your, your Candace Owens over there. You got some of the biggest conservative influencers there at the Daily Wire providing their own shows and content. And he's obviously created a media company. I've been doing $200 million in revenue last year. So whether you're raising a million dollars for your media company or you got 500 bucks just like I was, how much money did it take for you to start your business? Not much, honestly. How much was a, a, a certified a trainer certification? Oh, that was 10 years ago, man. Like, I, I got every year I, I get one one new, new uh, license or certification. It's maybe around two, $300 every year. Okay, so two, three hundred bucks a year. Right. How much? Uh, how much did it cost to start your uh, corporation, your LLC or S with, with dues, fees, and everything? Which probably around six hundred bucks. Six hundred bucks, guys. You don't need a million bucks, and then you sell what you got. Yeah. So I sold what I had, which was understanding life insurance, retirement planning, understanding entrepreneurship and coaching. That's what I sold. And so, number one, you got to be confident in what you're selling, though. And once you're confident in what you're selling, the second thing is you got to know also how to make money. So if somebody's going to invest in you, you got to figure out, hey, this is how we're going to make money. Like what he put there. Napkin. Obviously, he drew Facebook. So what do you think he's doing with Facebook? Ads, right? Doing ads. ads yeah. That, those ads will lead to Website. a lead page. Lead so page. he's getting the eyeballs into, from Facebook into, onto, into a funnel. Yeah, yeah. Into a funnel they can market to. So therefore, going to show their content so people can watch. They can watch the YouTube videos. They can watch the content. They can be subscribed to their, their media company for special content. So he knew how to make money, and he knew how to go out there and prove it. Yeah. And I think that's why they increased it from a million dollars to $4.8 million, because he continued on with metrics. Obviously, that's a clip. Mm. The third thing is, like what you just mentioned earlier, every year, every month, every chance you got, you've got to improve. Mm. The biggest question I ask for a lot of people today, if you want to improve, my biggest question I ask them was, what was the last book you read? What book are you currently reading? What was your biggest takeaway from the book that you read or are currently reading? A lot of people today don't read. So much knowledge out there, both on book format, published written format, or here on social media, or even on YouTube, on, uh, on, on articles and white papers. So much knowledge is out there if you seek it. They're giving you the game. So you don't have to worry about, nobody's not teaching. No, you're not teaching yourself. This guy here, his, his wife's a doctor. He's, he's a big proponent on, 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 on the, the, uh, the, the binary, non-binary. He's, 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 he, 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 demolishes all that because he's also dialed into his wife who's also a medical doctor and he gets the white papers from her too as well what they say about a lot of key issues social issues today based on tapping into that market because he's constantly growing he's constantly evolving it's probably one of the benefits too of running running a podcast like this because every week we're holding accountable we're holding ourselves accountable to grow to improve our skills and, and abilities any other thoughts on that no man cool so what do you got what, what, what do you have to cover in your end so three three things from mine. Let me let's first go to the uh, fitness, health, and wellness aspect. Three acts to get better sleep and to be able to wake up ready for your day. I want to know about this. Whether you're a nine to fiver, whether you're an entrepreneur, business owner, or whether you just suck at sleeping and you want to make sure that you're living a longer, more more healthier life. And this is a, uh, these are multiple studies that we've looked into to find the best sleeping conditions you can uh, they can find. Like, and like I said in the beginning of the show, uh, we've spoken to three somnologists. I really hope I'm pronouncing this right. S O M N. O-L-O-G-I-S-T, somnologist who specialize in sleep disorder, sleep disorder. So here are three hacks to get better sleep. Number one is being able to avoid blue light 90 minutes before you go to bed. And that's blue light. Blue light, screens, anytime screen. 
So don't be on your phone going to bed. Screen, uh, laptops, TVs, uh, phones, iPads. I see that. 90 minutes before. Because all, all that radiation is causing stimulation to your brain. So she shouldn't fall asleep to TV. Whatsoever. So now, wow. think, think, because think about it, when, when you go to bed, and this happened to me last night because I fell asleep at 1 a.m. Um, doing some notes, uh, you fall asleep after after scrolling on social media or just being on your phone checking emails, you close your eyes, but you still feel your brain somewhat active and just you just feel your brain is almost like fr fried and maybe your eyes are also burning from all that screen time. So when you are on consistent blue light, especially 90 minutes before you go to bed, it actually decreases your metal, uh, melatonin levels, which is a, a hormone that's produced by our pineal gland, which is in our brain. And it plays a crucial role in regulating our sleep-wake cycle, um, also known as our circadian rhythm. So avoid blue light 90 minutes before you go to bed. Number two is wake up to natural light. So that's one of the, that's one of the things uh, that I like about at least where, from where I live. I so have, open your window. Yes. Right. Um, I have I have multiple windows in my room, so when the sun comes up, it hits me right in the face, and it's actually good for your circadian rhythm, which is again our circadian rhythm is our biological clock that regulates our sleep-wake cycle, which also influenced which is influenced by natural light exposure man. and especially for men go ahead when i was in marine corps if he saw if he felt the light hit us yeah we're screaming out of freaking out of the rack because we know we're late really Shit. <laughs> we got we got to fall asleep in the dark and we got to go sleep during the dark if yeah. that if we even sense the sunlight sun rise we already know we're automatically Shit. late yeah go ahead and number three for especially for my gentlemen keep your uh, room cool to at least a 68 degree mark a cool room 68 68 degrees that's cold a bro. cool room i know it's so fucking beautiful under under, under blankets yes I'm, I'm, I'm gonna get sick of that environment. a cool room benefits benefits sleep uh, it helps you regulate your body temperature uh promotes more comfort and supports uh and it supports uninterrupted sleep and rest but for my men some a uh, word of advice let your balls hang. And sorry for being very vulgar. <laughs> Let your balls hang. Forget <laughs> the tidy whities Forget the tight underwear that you wear. Let them hang. Because now there's also studies that show that there's a fat decrease in your sperm count a and sperm quality. What? A fat what? What? You said a fat what? No tidy whities No tidy whities No more tidy whities Okay, Matthew. got it. No more. Okay. Because when you have tight underwear and, free, and you fall with them and you, and you wear consistent tidy whities on a daily basis, there's a lower sperm count for you guys. <laughs> but when you wear boxers or you just uh, go commando, especially when you go to bed, okay. you wake up a lot more refreshed, especially when you let the boys breathe. So for my men, sleep in a cool room, <laughs> avoid blue light for the last 90 minutes and also wake up to natural light and you will see that the next day you wake up feeling a lot more there refreshed. You there you go. I got, I, had a, I got a great visual of that right now. I'm going to go to bed. The challenge though is I, I got kids and... <laughs> You know, kids jump into bed with you in the middle of the night. Bobby! They cry, man. You scar your child for life, man. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting, those those hacks, though. Yeah. So one of those I can immediately improve is... The blue light. Is the blue light. Yeah. Yeah. Because I'm to me, if it's just silent for me, it's hard for me to go to bed. But if I had to, if I have that TV on and I hear the news in the background, I fall asleep. That's not good, apparently. Have you... Uh, I thought uh, for, for quite some time, I thought you were doing those... Uh, that, what is it? White noise that yeah. you were doing? Yeah. That's, yeah. That's one of the way to do it. But I got both. You got both? Mm-hmm. But, but I, I, for some reason, the uh, the TV just in flickering mm -hmm. just kind of like lulls me to bed. That helps you. Weird. Interesting. Okay. Weird. Anyway. Um, yeah. Who's going who's gonna to hack their sleep, man? And I thought, you know, you know, in an entrepreneurship world, people's like, I'm, I'm team no sleep, you know, sleep's for broke people, blah, blah, blah. But, you know, real quick, tell us why sleep is so important and why I need to work better on, on getting better sleep. Thank you, Matthew. I appreciate you uh, being mindful of your, yeah. your health. Because Tim Grover, because Kobe Bryant didn't want to sleep. Right. And Kobe said, uh, uh, Tim said, Kobe, Kobe, you got to, you got to sleep. Oh, I don't got time. I got to work out. No, Kobe, your sleep is a workout. 
as soon as Kobe reframed it that way, he went to bed. Which, by the way, the, the I Cry I'm going, I'm going to, mm -hmm. uh, owned by Tra uh, Travis Allen. He's going to be a, one of the guests here uh, in the podcast here soon. He owns I Cryo. Mm -hmm. And part of him just having a cryo chamber, he's got a red light mm -hmm. uh, bed. Mm -hmm. He's got an uh, infrared sauna. Mm -hmm. He's got boots, mm -hmm. uh, uh, the compression. Mm -hmm. And he's got a float bed. Yeah. So according to the research, a float bed, you're in there, you're at zero gravity, you're just like this. I, I did it on Saturday afternoon. I had to do it when I, after a food coma and after lunch because I can't do it at 9 o'clock or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. But yeah. I was just floating that thing. I just felt everything just relaxed. And he says 30 minutes in there is like three to four hours of REM sleep. Deep sleep. You're like deep sleep. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. And I said, well, how, how do you know I was in deep sleep? He said, Matt, we went in and we slammed the door next door a couple of times. You didn't wake up. Wow. So I was in, I was in a deep out. sleep. I was out. So maybe that's another way to hack it, huh? But, yeah. But by the way, there's no blue light. It was just me there. Yeah. Blanket over me. 68. It was cold. Mm -hmm. they, they put a blanket over me. Now, now I get it now. And I just... I just, I just like this. Now imagine Matt, that on daily like, seven days up. a week. Yeah. How, how should I, how often should I go? Imagine, no, I'm just, no, no, I'm just saying doing that at home. Yeah. Those yeah. three hacks, apply them to your life. Man. Great hack. Daily man. Basis, man. Great hack. Speak, speaking of, speaking of sleep, Taylor Swift. Here we go. She's, she's got a new boo. That new boo is Travis Kelsey, who's a tight end for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so uh, if we can take a look at my screen here. So Taylor Swift not throwing concert making money. She's making money for the players in the NFL. Taylor Swift has the NFL notice as her economic dominance spread. Now, we covered Taylor Swift a few podcasts ago that throughout her tour, her era tour, she drained over a billion dollars of revenue collectively for all the cities she's toured. And everybody, everybody's excited. For example, Philadelphia. They're so happy Taylor Swift was coming to Philadelphia for a, for a, for a Taylor Swift concert because she brought a ton of revenue in that city that finally surpassed some of the challenges that they had during wow. COVID. So they became an economic boost to the city, restaurants, hotels, Uber, taxis, et cetera, because Taylor Swift's having a concert. So bottom line, she's an economic powerhouse. Just ask the Federal Reserve, because guess who gave her a shout out in Philadelphia? The Federal Reserve of Philadelphia, the bank. Wow. Okay, so she's eclipsed the NFL's efforts to become even more popular. Uh, uh, we got more nine and 12 year olds Watching NFL because it's Taylor Swift. <laughs> but uh, her, uh, she injected billions into the US economy and so will her movie. So she got a movie coming out. So uh, if you guys didn't know this, she's dating a NFL athlete. Uh, her concert broke the, the Ticketmaster website, prompting a congressional hearing into Ticketmaster's dominance of the ticketing industry. Um, basically, now a Taylor Swift concert is now a uh, Republican Democrat conversation. <laughs> but her resale tickets, it's crazy here. So it's one thing to buy her tickets. The resale market is sick. Her resale tickets were going for an average of $3,800 a pop. Another one is Beyonce, whose Renaissance tour is yielding its own microeconomy everywhere she goes. By the way, salute to these two young ladies for creating such a brand and a following that other people are blessed. See, that's the thing. You think you're in business for yourself? No, you're blessing other people around you. Swift has a remarkable domestic impact. Her Blockbuster era has yielded up to $4.6 billion in consumer spending for a concert. I'm still blown away by that. Okay. Uh, Swifties, her fans. <laughs> Are you a Swiftie? No, I'm not a Swiftie, bro. I'm not a Swiftie. <laughs> but they were spending upwards of $20,000 to attend. People spend twenty grand to attend her concert. Okay. So majority of her concerts are, her songs are about her breaking up with people. This woman got rich off of depression or heartbreak. Correct. And a lot of you guys are doing it for free. It's crazy. 
She monetized chaos. Wow, man. She monetized chaos. So she's impact local uh, economies, even let a shout out from the Federal Reserve. So uh, now here, here's the thing, though, is uh, she's not because she's dating this NFL football player. She's making the NFL even more popular. Okay. Granted, on the backs of the Chicago Bears, her first game she showed up. Man, we're both from Chicago and they just kicked our ass. That's rough, man. So um, they kept looking at the, uh, the box that she was in. Okay. So she drew 24.3 million average viewers according to that game. Just because she's at the concert. More ratings, more views, more opportunities for advertising and eyeballs. Um, which aired again, they saw 8.1% increase in female viewers. <laughs> because she's at the game. From 12 to 17 years because she's at the game. Wow. Now, here's the thing too as well, who she's blessing. She's blessing her boyfriend, Travis Kelsey, tight end. Considered one of the best tight ends in the history of the NFL. And a one-time host of Saturday Night Live has seen his popularity rise because he's dating this girl. I don't know if she's right for him, but... His merchandise sales reported skyrocketed nearly 400% just days after the game. And the financial windfall for him doesn't seem likely to end soon. Why? Because he makes a cut yeah. of, the, of the jersey sales. So you already know where, it's going, where this is going, right? Yeah. You're dating a girl. Think about this real quick. Back, back right. Jordan. Think about this. You're dating a girl that's made her career on breakups. So guess what her future song is going to be? I used to have a tight end. <laughs> you brought this up yesterday at the gym. <laughs> I should have known you were going to bring this up. This was a Monday conversation. But you know, that's going to be inspired by him. And guess what? That feature breakup song, that's going to be a viral song because all this build is one thing to be built up, man. Yeah. But I see, you know, however long this is going to last, a feature breakup song is in the writing. I probably proved me wrong. Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey get married. Prove me wrong. But in the meantime, guess what? In the meantime, another crazy future song yeah. is about to be written by Taylor Swift on this future breakup. I don't know, man. I feel like Taylor Swift is the crazy one in this situation. She, she's, she, again, she's gotten rich off of depression and breakup songs and heartbreak and it's been year in and year out that she's dated all these all these guys and it's for some reason, it's her monetizing off of these breakups. So maybe, I don't know, maybe, maybe she's the one who has the issues. And I really hope if it does end up happening, which I hope it doesn't, I really hope that this guy knows how to have the mental, has the mental capacity to be able to look past it, especially when he seems to be the negative one amongst the media when, if, if and when they do break up, I really hope it doesn't affect the way he plays. But now it, it comes back to the idea of, you know, if there is some form of breakup and it's happened. It's, happen. it's yeah. happened. And now he's the one who's going to go through the emotional and the mental turmoil. Mm -hmm. Is he, a, as a man, are you allowed to show emotion and people give you the grace to say, we get it, we understand? Because that's, that's one of the Bro. biggest things that happen right now during this generation where men just cannot show emotion. And I actually have a video on that that I wanted to show. But uh, by the way, here's what happens when they break up. Yeah. He's going to be a Hall of Famer, bro. Yeah. His biggest response is massive success. If he has a, he's going to be in that gym lifting out. He's like, you, bro you broke with me. I want to make sure you regret this for the rest of your life. Yeah. That's how most men I sure really hope he has that identity, man. To, to breakups. At least that's the winners. That's how they respond to breakups. Can, so. can, can we show that video? Uh, man can't show emotion around women. Should we do something deeper? Like, should we go deep? When's the last time you cried? Yeah. <laughs> He's trying to cry now. No, I lost my best friend this year, so it's still been a hard thing for me. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Oh, sorry. Like, you made me think about it. <laughs> I'm so wow. sorry. Oh. oh my god. 
Now we go. Yeah, he's just he's just doing it for the hugs, man. Oh, check this out. <laughs> you just lost a friend. Uh, for me. And then just like mildly uncomfortable, which is nothing against him. And then the bottom, it's not like I dislike anyone. I just I'm very disinterested in a lot of people. <laughs> so I think it's just like it's just like you guys are cool. <laughs> what? Was I don't really know why, but okay, thank you. That's very interesting like, yeah. social experiment here. Physical appearance ranking, final ranking. So, the experiment was uh, rate them from one to five from the most uh, good looking and then the most attractive. Good looking, obviously physical, attractive the way you carry yourself. Can, can you show that last last yeah. ranking there, uh, Jordan? Just hit the still. Can you have something the still, but, uh, still but, at the very end. Yeah, at the very at end. The, at, all the way at the very end. Yeah. But, right. but okay, thank you. We can't afford it. Yeah. Just kill the there, sound right there. Okay, Perfect, go, go, right go, there. Go. So, physical appearance ranking and also the final ranking when it comes down to the attractiveness. Okay. The guy who, you know, when they asked the question, like, when was the last time you guys cried? He lost it because he just recently lost a friend, his best friend. So, he got emotional when they asked that question. So, what ends up happening, if you look at him, he's, he's not a bad looking guy. He's a handsome dude. Guy in the blue shirt? The guy in the blue shirt, when the guy who started crying. But the moment he started crying, the women comforted him, but how is it that a man, respectfully, he's a handsome thank, guy. Thank you, Jordan. Yeah, he's a handsome guy, yet when it came after that emotional question. And, and he's up there to he's up there on physical wise, appearance. Right. Number but, two. But now attractiveness, he's dead last. And they said at the end, oh, you know, you know, there's nothing against him. It's just kind of uncomfortable that he showed feelings. It's kind of uncomfortable R that he cried. Ranked by the women or ranked by the dudes? By the women. Women ranked the men. So appearance-wise, he's top two. Good. But attractiveness, based off of who the, the the questions that they were answering, man came out dead last after that last question. Ooh. So so it goes to show, can men really show women emotion without the women finding them as a turnoff? So recently, I uh, I went on a date with somebody, and I went. What, to, what's his name? <laughs> his name. <laughs> it was it's a chicken problem. I went on a date with somebody. Okay, and there was some form of vulnerability that I actually showed this woman. I told her I told her one of my insecurities. And she paused and she looked at me and I don't, I don't think it was the same day, but I think it was the next day or maybe a couple hours after late, late evening. She, she advised me like, Milton, you showing me that insecurity was something unattractive to me. And I, I hesitated because I didn't know how to respond to what you, what you told me. So in the back of my, you know, my, my front face is, okay, cool. I'll work on it and thank you for keeping me accountable. But in the back of my head, I'm like, wow. So every time that I show you some form of one of my vulnerabilities yeah. or an insecurity that I have, is that going to reduce who I am in your eyes, right? So, so the thing is, because process is first thing. Yes, is is it okay for men to cry? Absolutely. Yeah. But the second question is around who yeah. and where yeah. and when. Yeah. So that's a social. That's a social construct. That's a social disposition. Yeah. Um, like I was mentioning earlier, at men's retreats, amongst other men that we've learned to trust. Uh, one of at those men's retreats mm -hmm. and, and who who those breakout groups are. Yeah. There are moments of vulnerability there. Yeah. Some guys cry their ass off, man, yeah. but it's around other men. But we never bring it up ever. Yeah. Uh it's not around women. Yeah. It's not around our wives. It's not around our daughters. It's not around our kids. But we, sure, men cry absolutely healthy. Uh uh until I have that vulnerability with other men. 
I'm still, I'm still, because I, when, when have I shown, you know, I've shown it to Sheena when I was going through uh, child custody issues. I was crying over my kids, Yeah, you know, but Sheena didn't take it as non-attractive. I don't know. What do you guys think? You guys are watching this live. You guys are watching this on a replay. Should men cry publicly around anyone? Should they cry around women? Should they cry around men? Okay, let's process that. Yeah. If a man cries, we're, we're a bunch of guys are together, a man starts to cry? Yeah. What, what's our level of, uh, what's our stud factor in that, in that guy? High or low? Low. Exactly. Extremely yeah. low. At the uh, bottom of the barrel. Yeah, of course. Right? Of course. Least guy to trust. Yeah. Uh, when I was in boot camp, some kids started to cry. Dude, get him out of here. Okay. Uh, uh, you cry uh, amongst a close circle of friends. One on one, on one or or. Uh, on a one-on-one basis, the guy starts crying. You're talking to your boy, and he starts crying. How do you rank that? He trusts you. That's, yeah. your, that's your guy. Yeah. Does he? Does he lose any? I don't know. Cool, po- cool points. Does he understands? Yeah. He understands. Completely yeah. understands where you're coming from. Right. Yeah. So, so now my you know my, my following my following thing is men are scared, and so are women when it comes down to relationships. So the million dollar question is. Why do we continually attract toxic people into our lives if we are constantly falling into these negative relationships? What a good question. So uh, th- this is actually a question that someone asked us last week on the podcast. So we, we can pull up that video. Jordan. Really? Great. Okay. Yeah. That was a question on the podcast? Yeah. We get attracted to the person who recreates the emotional experience we had as children. Damn. It is the emotional experience that is our addiction. We think that we get attracted to a person who resembles our father or our mother. If it only was so clear. No. Now if you go back to your childhood and how you predominantly felt and now go, okay, I attracted that person. I can guarantee you it was to awaken and evoke the same emotional experience. Go to the next intimate relationship same emotional experience till of course you change course and awaken yeah till of course you awaken that's the point though but if you're not awakened you're not woke to the situation you by default will choose toxic people but if you are awakened and you still choose then that's the choice though yeah because you know we often as Shina often says you know i married my dad i married my dad i'm like is that a good thing because i i resemble her dad mm. Uh, my demeanor, my disposition, my jokes. Yeah. Right. So she's like, "Oh my gosh, I can't believe I married my dad." But it's a good thing for her. Yeah. I don't think it's a bad thing for her. Um, I don't think there's anything toxic about that statement when she says it to me. Um, Sheena to me doesn't resemble my mom. You know, really? Sheena's opposite of my mom. Yeah. Is Sheena, uh, uh, my mom's very overbearing. My mom's. Uh, if, she, if my mom could, she would have been a helicopter mom. But she had to go to work. But mom, make sure, typical Filipino mom, make sure everything's, we, we eat, everything, we're fed, we're taken care of. That's that's my mom, you know? And I related more. And here's the thing too is, well, do you relate more with your dad growing up or do you relate more with your mom growing up? And then who do you relate with more now as an adult? Do you relate more with women or do you relate more with men? And if you're in business and you have relationships, that also affects on how you lead people. Mm. Because then either you, by default, trust more men or you default, trust more women. And that affects the, t- the type of people that you build with and you recruit for your business, that you create as partnerships and strategic alliances. That affects that too as well. Or 
I only get better. I only get along with black people, or I only get along with Latino people. Yeah. I only get along with white people. You you have to awaken yeah. to the fact that you look at people for people. Yeah. Not because of the color of skin, no. but because of how they act and this specific skill set that you need for the role that they need to fill. That's when you awaken. So, if you're not conscious of that, you'll by default be attracting toxic people. One hundred percent. And going going back to what you said, you know, who you're closer to, who are you closer to? And I was doing some reflecting as you were speaking, and I noticed that when I was a kid, when I was younger, maybe my early teens, even, I was very close to my mother, mm. and I related to my mom so much more during that time. But now yeah. as an adult, now that my father's gone. Um, I relate a lot more to my father and who he is and who he was and the way he raised me. And it makes so much more sense on on why he did what he did and why he said what he said. And one of the things that he would consistently tell me was, Milton, you will never lose money chasing your purpose that God has given you. But the moment that you start chasing the money, you're gonna completely lose yourself and lose the purpose and the sense of the purpose that God has given you. And to me, that just stuck with me throughout my through my entire uh, young adulthood and even where I'm at today. So with you, what's one piece of advice that someone gave to you that just stuck with you and resonates with you on a daily basis? Uh, from my dad, he's, he's uh, every time my father would say something, he said, be careful what you say and what you promise because now you gotta come through. So be careful what you say yes to. Yeah. But there's, if there's freedom in yes, there's even more freedom in no. That's probably one of the biggest things I would take away from my dad. And you, you've seen my dad. My yeah. dad. How many words has my dad spoken since the years you've known me and you've been around our family? How many yeah. words have you heard my dad speak? He's a man of few words, man. He's <laughs> a man of few words. That's right. And if you have these toxic people in your life, guess what you end up doing with their finances? Which leads us to this next article. Um, the Wall Street Journal reports that Americans are still spending like there's no tomorrow. Concerts, trips, and designer handbags. What's your designer handbag, bro? Under Armour. Are taking nice. priority. <laughs> Such a jack, man. Are taking pri- priority over saving for a home or a rainy day. Let's take a look at this. Consumers should be spending less by now. Why? Interest rates are up. Inflation remains high. Pandemic savings have shrunk. And the labor market is cooling. Yet... Household spending, the primary driver of nation's economic growth, remains robust. Americans spent 5.8 more percent in the year, well outstripping less than 4% inflation. In the experience economy, experience economy, interesting there. That's a good word for it. Experience economy boomed. This summer, Delta Airlines reporting revenue, uh, uh, record revenue in the second quarter. Ticketmaster selling over 295 million event tickets in the first six months of 2023, up nearly 18% year over. That's a big, that's a big. Uh, uh, rise. Economists and financial advisors say consumer spending put short-term needs, consumer put spending on short-term needs and goals above long-term ones is normal. Normal for them, but from an economic standpoint, it should not be normal if you want to save for your future. Because when people are living paycheck to paycheck, Milton, guess what people stop doing? They stop investing. And investing is more than just a monetary thing. Investing means that you're placing time, money, resources, effort into something that has a future rate of return for current delayed gratification. Today, people don't want the delayed gratification. They want to experience it now. Here's a, here's a case study. This dude right here lives in Brooklyn, New York with his girlfriend, Ibby. He spends 3000 a month for an apartment with a cost of a million dollars to buy. At current rates, that means around $5,000 a month if he had a mortgage versus mm-hmm. rent at 3000 after he saves $200,000 for a down payment. And what, what's his justification? It's not even that nice of an apartment. So instead of saving for a down payment that he, that he expected to have to turn 30 and getting engaged the past year, he splurged. He took that money instead, spent 600, speaking of Taylor Swift, he bought a $1,600 Taylor Swift 
uh, air, uh, tour ticket and he spent $3,500 on a bachelor party trip Jesus. to Ibiza. I might as well just enjoy what I have now. Now, here's the thing. I know you travel the world, but I also know you save. Yeah. You save for your future. You have a policy. You have an IUL. You went to Egypt last year, right? Yeah. It was okay to have an event, right? Uh, were you, uh, did you, where would you stay? The, uh, it was a really nice hotel, but wow. it was really cheap. I was very frugal with my money out there. 20 bucks a day to survive out there. Damn. To survive and eat three meals a day and get a tour guide. Very, very nice guys. Speaking of which, look at, look at this, uh, this, this family here. So this family here um, uh, booked, a, uh, booked a trip, this couple. After Lindsay, 37, quit her job. Uh, they went to credit card debt, quit her job to become a full-time caregiver to the eight-year-old son who had special needs. So they went to credit card debt to finance a vacation. We did not have the money, and we were like, let's just do it anyway. 39-year-old general contractor in Seattle. Trip cost $10,000 including three $1,000 last-minute plane tickets. Damn, three of them. Ten nights at a $385 a night four-star resort and several elaborate meals. Even though the family decided to cancel subscriptions and cut back on dining out to help offset the bill, they say they have no regrets, especially since they got to see Lahaina. Lahaina's in Maui. Yeah. Uh, just a few months before it was decimated by wildfires. Now, here, here's my thing. Here's my thing. Dude, live your life. I, no judgment whatsoever. But at the same time, when you say, hey, government, pay off my student loan debt. Hey, I need some uh, rent abatement. Yeah. Hey, I need more leaning on the government to give me some free shit. And at the cost of the taxpayers, at the cost of people socially around them, that's when I start having an issue with it. Because many people tell you in the 70s and 80s, they're broke, man. They're, they're broke. They're going back to work. Yeah. I'm doing a talk at the end of this month at a retirement community here, a senior, a senior living center. They asked me to come in. And they said, um, we're raising rates next year. And the 80-year-old residents that lived here, that live here, next year potentially, they may not be able to afford to live here. And they gotta go somewhere else to live. So can you come in and do a financial workshop to show them how to stretch their money yeah. so therefore they can afford this retirement housing? And by the way, this is nice, this is a nice area. Yeah. And it's not Medicaid, it's not government assistance, but it's a nice area. And so in their 70s and 80s, they're worried that these folks didn't save enough. We're just in New York, big old high rise. Swazo and I were looking at high rise, a senior living community. Swazo Googled it right away. That's how I know you're a car full of insurance agents. He Googled it right away. To stay in this high rise apartment in New York, a senior living community. Let's say you retired in Manhattan. Mm -hmm. You're done working in Wall Street. You retire there in Manhattan. It's $11,000 a month. $11,000 a month. A lot of people have not planned for their future down the road because they think today, hey, I got the money today, let's just spend it today. Without realizing, man, down the road, I'm becoming more and more dependent. The more I spend today, the more dependent I am on other people down the road. And if you want to maintain your financial independence, you want to maintain your financial dignity, decisions like this, I don't know, man, it's gonna cause people to, it's gonna cause people to get the, uh, 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 the more dependent, it's gonna bite you in the butt. So Josh Rittner said he greatly lowered his retirement contribution. Uh, one more time here, uh, uh, Jordan, thank you. Josh Richner said he'd greatly lowered his retirement contribution to afford a cross-country trip that included a $7,000 Alaskan cruise so his family could see the ice caps which had been melting at a rapid clip. I've never spent this much money on a trip before, says a 35-year-old who says the splurge was also motivated by the pandemic and a health scare. So, dude, I get it. People say, you know what? I'm gonna live my best life now. But at the same time, too, is what happens if you live a long life? Yeah. What's your thoughts on this? Well, I think because of this mindset, I think education is definitely one of the biggest things, which is why I want to tap into, I, I'm, I'm sure you definitely have at least two or three, but I want to 
uh, give the viewers, the young men and the men, or even the ladies, top three books that have literally that have been impacted my life, that's helped me change my identity, the way I think, the way I perceive money, and also the way I perceive life. And the top three for me, at least, Matt, whatever you want to give off mm -hmm. on this, is uh, the, the the seven habits of highly effective people. That's one Franklin book, Covey. One of, the, one of the biggest books that, that I pushed. Yes, uh, for finance, Rich Dad Poor Dad was the first very was the very first book that I ever read by Robert Kiyosaki that put me on. Um, when, especially when it comes down to having a little more understanding of how to make my money work. And then when it comes down to networking, how to win friends and influence people by Dale Carnegie. And when it comes down to your spiritual aspect and your spiritual walk with God or just yourself, The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren was definitely a game changer for me. And that's what allowed me, helped me with my journey, with my identity, with my mindset, with my perception of money and just everything else in life when it comes down to business and just my personal endeavors. But I'm sure Matt has some pretty heavy hitters. There it is. FEMA warning. FEMA warning. It's early, two minutes early. Yeah. There's a test at a National Wireless Emergency Alert System. Everybody's getting this right now. You're watching this live. We're all watching this, all experiencing this all together. All right. Interesting. We all experienced that two minutes early. Everybody. Everybody got it. Did you get it on your end? If you're watching this, you got it on your end too as well. Live viewers got it on your end. Last thought here. Watch this video. Can you take a look at my screen? I sat down with a CPA, an attorney that used to train IRS agents, and he uh, wrote a book called Lawyer Taxes Big Time. And if you want to go out and have fun, knock yourself out, but have the government subsidize it by it being through your business. Here's a millionaire's thing. How do I spend money but deduct it off my tax so I can get a return on my investment, not just the exponential experience, mm. have exponential rate of return coming to as well. So my wife and I, we travel the world. We were at Bahamas a month ago. We were in Paris, Monaco last year. We're going to Bora Bora here next summer. All this is all tax deductible business expenses. I believe it's chapter four in his book. If I point you to a resource, read this book, Lori Tax Big Time. The other chapter here, chapter two, is how to turn your car into a tax deductible gold mine by establishing a trade or business on the side part time. And you incorporate these things into your method of doing business. If you pay for internet, you pay for a cell phone, you have a car, you like eating food once in a while, there's ways to deduct it off your taxes in the pursuit of a trade or business. Read this book, Lawyer Taxes Big Time, or at least watch this video. We'll put it in the comment section below. We'll put it in the description below of checking out this video with Sandy Botkin on how the rich avoid paying tax and put that money right back into their pocket. So that being said, man, Episode 41 next Wednesday. We have some interesting interviews coming up here in the Seven Fear Squad YouTube channel. But uh, with that being said, please put your thoughts, your questions, your comments. You agree with us? You don't agree with us? Please put it in the comment section below. If you haven't done so, make sure you subscribe and hit notifications. Be alerted next time we upload our next episode. And we'll see you next Wednesday. Milton. Come on, baby. Till we meet again. Continue to live smart. Continue to love smart. And be money smart today. See you next Wednesday. Bye-bye.